Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. To learn about upcoming apologetics events, our podcast, videos, and much more, visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about discipline and why it's very important to your personal growth. Uh, One thing that you'll want to do is hold a place also in Matthew 18. Matthew 18. The title of the sermon, The Shepherd's Discipline, I think we'll probably only go through verse 8 this morning because I don't want to rush through it. But I have some questions for you. Uh, Number one, are you a disciplined person? Um, Some of you would answer, yes, I'm, I'm a disciplined person. Some of you, maybe not as much as you'd like to be. If you are a disciplined person, my next question is, how did you get that way? Now, some of you may have come out of the womb quite disciplined, but I would, I would venture to guess that those of you who have become disciplined people did so because you had a mentor or mentors. You had someone who was either modeling discipline for you or putting it into you, showing you the way, trying to show you that discipline is an important part of life. Some of you who are with us today, and I would include myself in this, wish that I was more disciplined in all the areas of my life that I'd like to be. So some of us could say, yeah, I'm very disciplined with getting to work on time, or I'm very disciplined in you know, my eating habits, or I'm very disciplined with exercise. But if I were to ask you this morning, what's the most important area of your life where you need discipline? How would you respond? I hope that you would say in my spiritual life. Because physical exercise profits a little. But godliness profits not only for this life, but for the life to come. And a lot of Christians who go to Christian churches every Sunday are disciplined in multiple areas of their lives. But when it comes to their spiritual life, they live a very undisciplined life. They don't know how to get into their Bible regularly. They don't know how to pray. Uh, Some people would honestly confess, maybe this is you, that I don't pick up my Bible during the week. I, I just pick it up when the preacher says to turn to a certain text on a Sunday morning. And so that is not the way that we should be, but we're all growing. And I know that we're all at different places in our spiritual walk, but I'm gonna challenge you this morning to get more disciplined about your spiritual life. It is easy to get disciplined in a lot of different areas. And in fact, we have all these areas of life where we respect discipline. In fact, some uh, people say when you're studying different things, whether it be, you know, you're trying to earn a degree or you're in some field, they call it disciplines, right? We all respect those those who have made us more disciplined at work or maybe you had a coach who was really someone who shaped your life. Or maybe you've served in the military and discipline is, it's not an option. But it seems like the church is afraid of the word of discipline. (laughs) We we run from it. But if we're going to be honest, we know that in all different spheres of life, discipline is a regular part of what happens. If you break the law, you get disciplined. If you show up late to work over and over again, you can get written up and eventually get fired. Uh, It was uh, not that long ago, several months ago, that some UCLA basketball players were on a trip, I think, to China. 
And they got caught doing something that they shouldn't be doing. I think it was shoplifting. And they were disciplined. And there were people commenting on it, you know, uh, sports experts. And they were saying, oh, those players should be disciplined. And they should not be able to play basketball for the whole upcoming school year. And indeed, that's what happened. But when it comes to the church and the word discipline, oh, time out. (laughs) We don't want to talk about that. But the truth is that the church also has discipline that it is to practice. Now, the goal for church discipline is always restoration. The goal is not to discipline somebody just to discipline them. It's always to restore them back to a place of health and a right relationship with God and with others. That's what the Apostle Paul is dealing with as he addresses this subject in the Corinthian congregation. So if you've got your place in 1 Corinthians, let's just go back and let's read the end of chapter 4 because this is what leads into this. So 1 Corinthians 4, this is where we left off last time, verse 21, when Paul says these words. He says, what do you desire? 1 Corinthians 4, 21. Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Now that leads into chapter 5. There's no chapter breaks in the original letter. So that was added later for our navigation purposes. This is a seamless letter. So Paul says, what do you desire? How shall I come to you? With love or with a rod? That's the subject. Now, a lot of you have, uh, you're familiar with the Proverbs where the rod has become a symbol of discipline. Let me just give you a little taste of this. It may be a refresher or a reminder for most of you. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. So discipline is an act of love if you're taking notes. Proverbs 22, 15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Proverbs 22.15 says, Discipline removes foolishness. Proverbs 23.13 and 14 says, Do not hold back discipline from a child. Although you beat him with a rod, he will not die. I've said that that to my children many times. You're not going to (laughs) die. Now, some of you are going, Pastor Michael, don't you know there's controversy about this subject? Oh, I know. I know. I watched Dr. Phil... And he was talking to a mom about, you know, corporal punishment. And look, here's the problem. Is we, we as human beings, and even in the church, we can't seem to do things with balance. So people are always thinking of extreme cases. So Dr. Phil had this mom on. And I don't know where Dr. Phil stands with the Bible and everything. But anyway, he was basically saying you should never spank a child. You should just put him in time out. And so he was... He was lauding the, uh, the approach of timeouts. And so the, the question came up, well, what if the child won't stay in the timeout chair? Then you hold him there and you keep him in that chair. And I was like, oh, Dr. Phil, are you saying to put your hands on that child and hold them in the chair? If they start wiggling out of it? Look, there is a place, it should be rare, but there is a place in discipline to apply the board of correction to the seat of understanding. Okay, It should be rare. It should be done in love. It should be done afterwards explaining and hugging the child. And it should be 
that you've drawn the boundary first, and if they cross it and say, oh yeah, daddy, let me see what you got, then it's time to show them who's boss. We all, all need wisdom on this, but this is what the Bible is saying. He says, if you, it says, if you beat him with a rod, you'll deliver his soul from Sheol. Wow, that's Proverbs 23, 14. And Proverbs 29, 15 says, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29, 15, discipline imparts wisdom. So it could save a soul from death. It can remove foolishness. It's an act of love. It imparts wisdom. Now the rod can become a metaphor for any kind of discipline. It doesn't have to be a corporal punishment. And it becomes symbolic of the shepherd. And this is why I went in this direction, because some of you know that David, when he wrote the beautiful Psalm 23, he said these words in verse 4, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What? See, there's a certain level of comfort even in discipline, because when someone cares enough to discipline us when we're out of line, it means that they love us. If someone will just let you run roughshod and not say anything to you and just let you play in the middle of the street and say, well, I, I, I don't want to say anything because I might offend them. No, if your child is in the middle of the street, you say, get out of the street! And you don't mind if the neighbors perceive that you're yelling. And you can respond, a good brother in the fellowship gave me a patch that says, I'm not yelling, I'm Italian, okay? That explains a lot, doesn't it? Anyway. <laughs> now, discipline, the idea of discipline, actually comes from the good shepherd, Jesus himself. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. So long before uh, Paul ever wrote 1 Corinthians 5, Jesus gave this principle in Matthew 18. This is uh, verse 15. If Jesus is indeed the good shepherd, and he is, then what he says here must be for good reasons. So let's take a look. This is Matthew 18, verse 15. Jesus says, If your brother sins, Matthew 18, 15, go and reprove him in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact, not everything we think, but every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile, notice, and a tax gatherer. Now, Jesus was the friend of tax gatherers and sinners, so the idea is a potential person to reach, a potential convert. Truly I say to you, context church discipline, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It would seem that that verse indicates that if the church gets involved and they say something, they enact some sort of discipline on an individual, that heaven uh, backs that up, if you will. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by, by uh, my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, context is still church discipline, there I am in their midst. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Say, well, I I don't want to say anything because I might offend them. No, if your child is in the middle of the street, you say, get out of the street! And you don't mind if the neighbors perceive that you're yelling. And you can respond, a good brother in the fellowship gave me a patch that says, I'm not yelling, I'm Italian, okay? That explains a lot, doesn't it? Anyway. (laughs) Now, discipline, the idea of discipline actually comes from the good shepherd, Jesus himself. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, so long before uh, Paul ever wrote 1 Corinthians Five, Jesus gave this principle in Matthew 18. This is uh, verse 15. If Jesus is indeed the good shepherd, and he is, then what he says here must be for good reasons. So let's take a look. This is Matthew 18, verse 15. Jesus says, If your brother sins, Matthew 18, 15, go and reprove him in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact, not everything we think, but every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile, notice, and a tax gatherer. Now, Jesus was the friend of tax gatherers and sinners, so The idea is a potential person to reach, a a potential convert. Truly I say to you, context church discipline, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It would seem that that verse indicates that if the church gets involved and they say something, they enact some sort of discipline on an individual, that heaven uh, backs that up, if you will. Again, I say to you, 
If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by, by uh, my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, context is still church discipline, there I am in their midst. So it would, be, it would seem that Jesus is saying that heaven will ratify a decision made on earth that is for the good of an individual. Notice that there's a progression. First, if your brother sins, you go to him in private. So the idea there is you protect him and his reputation, and you say something like this privately. Look, you're in trouble. I understand this is going on. This is not good for you. It's not good for your family. It's not good for your witness. It's not good for your walk. I'm challenging you to stop because I love you. Now, Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, If anyone's caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, go in a spirit of gentleness, lest you also be tempted. So when we go to someone in this way, we are not some pious policemen who are trying to control everybody's life. No, we're brokenhearted saints going to someone saying, Look, this is going to impact you, your family. It's going to have consequences. Please don't do this. And if your brother or sister listens to you, notice it's all couched in familial language. It's, it's the family of God here. Jesus speaking. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. Matthew 18, 15, which means you've saved him from further harm. In the body of Christ, this is where most of the discipline should occur. It should be us challenging one another possibly even reproving one another, bringing things into the light so that we can get better spiritually. It should never ramp up to the place where the church has to get involved and there has to be a formal uh, elder meeting to discover or to meet out discipline. Hopefully, we are self-correcting as a community. Amen? And that's really what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, look... Uh, you guys are sharpening one another in Bible studies, in your walks with each other. And if something's amiss, hopefully you're spending enough time in prayer with one another and other believers. You're spending enough time in encouraging one another in your walk with Jesus, where this would be a self-correcting thing. Of course, it starts with you. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, that should be enough. But sometimes you might have someone who's in your life, someone who's honest with you, who may say to you, you know what, this this is going on, and this is not wise. Don't do this. Now, we balance this with 1 Corinthians 16, 14, which says, let all that you do be done in love. If your motivation is love in all that you do, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14, you will rarely go amiss. If your motivation is love, you will rarely go amiss in terms of how you approach somebody and what you say. And so this is the topic for this morning. I told you it's not going to be easy, but it is uh, where we are in Scripture. Uh, an attitude towards sin is a bit lax in our culture, we know, and perhaps even dangerous. I heard a Sunday school teacher was asking her class, what are sins of omission? After some thought, a little fellow said, they're the sins we should have committed, but we didn't get around to yet. Uh, no. <laughs> that's not what a sin of omission is. But you get the humor of it, and we know that in, in the church, in the modern church, these subjects may even become a bit taboo. You talk about sin and discipline, but here we are 
in our Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1. Paul says it's actually reported. The, the idea is that people are reporting it to Paul and others, but do you believe that it was just limited to Paul and maybe others around Paul? No, I think this was probably the talk of the town. Hey, do you know that someone in the Corinthian church, those people who say they're so holy, and those people who say we should become believers because Jesus will change our life, oh, you wouldn't believe what's going on in there. Not only are they divided and proud, but someone in that fellowship is actually sleeping with his father's wife. Now, would that make the tabloids? Would that make the 11 o'clock news? I think it would. Because remember, whenever there's a scandal in the church, the media absolutely loves it. Because it gives another reason for them to hang their hat on their unbelief. If I can say, hey, there's a bunch of hypocrites in there, then maybe somehow that makes me feel a little, little bit better about constantly suppressing the truth of God that's all around me. And hypocrisy is a very convenient hook on which to hang your hat of unbelief. Well, they're no better than anybody else, and, and that's what people say. And I'm sure it was being reported everywhere that there is immorality. This is the Greek word pornea, where we get pornography, but it's a very broad term. It speaks of anything, any sexual relationship outside of marriage. There is immorality among you, among the church, and immorality of such a kind. And of course, there are different kinds. Pornea covers all of them, all aberrations, all sex outside of marriage, etc. This kind of immorality, middle of verse 1, does not exist even among the Gentiles, which would be a synonym here for unbelievers, that someone has, the word has is sexually freighted, his father's wife. Now this is not the man's natural mother, else Paul would have said so. It would appear to be his stepmom. Now some of you are going, oh my goodness. This, this is gross. This is kind of the uh, locker room talk that you know degrades pretty low when someone's trying to uh, insult you as low as they can go. This is kind of the, the stuff that they use, right? And Paul says, this is happening in the church. Now it may be because women in this culture married younger and usually the men were older that maybe she was close in age to this man in the Corinthian congregation. In the text, she is not dealt with. So it would appear that she is not a believer. And you'll notice that in verse 13 of chapter 5, but those who are outside, God judges. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was part one of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, called The Shepherd's Discipline. Hey, just a reminder, we're a listener-supported ministry. Walk in Truth has some big plans to have more events in 2020, like the one last Sunday with Natasha Crane. Please do your end-of-year giving at walkintruth.com, and if you're thinking somebody else will, that someone might be you. Please give what you can at walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance with a final word. So glad you're listening to the program, whether you've been listening for a while, maybe years, or maybe just a few weeks. Hey, welcome aboard. We're going through 1 Corinthians. We're glad you're aboard, and you're getting a flavor for what this program's about. 
It's an expository, that's a big word, just a verse-by-verse exposing of the biblical text, applying it to our life. This is our passionate walk in truth. And this is really something that God planted in me decades ago when he first called me. Uh, I was driving around actually in a sales position, uh, listening to 10, 12 sermons a day, and God uh, was just pouring into my life through multiple pastors. And so I really have an affinity. I really have a heart for those of you who commute. You may be in sales. I know we have truck drivers that listen. And hey, I'm glad you're listening. And you're, you know, this is really like a traveling seminary when you listen on radio. It's a great medium to not only be equipped, but to get to know the Lord for the first time. These are the passions that the Lord put in my heart. This is what Walk in Truth is all about, to reach out to people who don't know the Lord and to equip brothers and sisters who do know the Lord. Hey, and I'm glad you're listening, and I want to encourage you to be praying for us, especially be praying for our 2020 vision for Walk in Truth. We have a big vision because we serve a big God, and we want to reach many people like you. But it's going to take some partners. It's going to take people who believe in what we're doing. If you're being blessed and you're being encouraged and fed by the program, you can find out more about how you can support us, partner with us, help us reach more people like you, especially in 2020 as we kind of turn the calendar over and look at some opportunities that the Lord has opened for us with new uh, areas and new radio stations. The uh, site is walkintruth.com. You can call 844-48-TRUTH if you'd like to talk to us about the vision personally as well. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about the importance of living a disciplined life. I'm Mike Massaro, as always, living a disciplined life. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.